Girl Boss is brought to you by Monster. Find employees who work as hard as you at monster.com slash hiring. Monster, find better. And by ShipStation. Selling online has never been easier. Try ShipStation free for 30 days by going to ShipStation.com and get an additional month free when you use offer code GIRLBOSS. And by Squarespace. Start building your website today at Squarespace.com. Enter the offer code GIRLBOSS at checkout to get 10% off. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of NastyGal.com, author of Girl Boss, and the soon-to-be author of Nasty Galaxy, which you can pre-order now on Amazon. On each episode of Girl Boss Radio, I talk to a different woman about her story, what she's learned along the way, how she learned to own her own life and ultimately become a girl boss. Today's guest is National Domestic Workers Alliance Director Ai Jen Poo. But first, Liz Carey is on the show. She's a weirdo, um, an actor, comedian, writer, one of my best friends. You can find her at the Liz Carey on Instagram. We'll be talking about the highs and lows, mostly lows of our week. <laughs> and of, of course, our girl boss moments. Liz, put your arm down. Are you wearing glitter? Oh my God. Glitter by, by accident, somebody on? sent me a uh, coconut oil and it's glittered. Oh my God. What do I you do? You look like Mariah Carey. I don't know what to do. Lollipop bling. It's bad, huh? I didn't think you it's could notice it until you got in here. It's like, yeah. Is it really bad? Did you go to Coachella and not tell me? Yeah. I think so. It's my Coachella look. <laughs> You're wearing a, you got a Coachella dress on. Yeah, it's bad though. Look at it. I didn't notice it until we got in the light. Sorry. Oh my God. Deal with it. Coachella. No chella. No thanks. Zero chilla. No, I feel like I'm not cool for saying that or. No. I don't know. Like I know a lot of our customers go to Coachella and like a lot of our listeners probably go to Coachella. I'm just. It's I not, would be hiding in the corner. Oh, it sounds awful. I'm I, just scared of people. I just want to remember Guns N' Roses, not like a beet red turnip. <laughs> turnip? <laughs> you, wait, are you going out of town this weekend? No. Did you not? So you for sure not going? Not going. Ooh. I mean, that's good and bad, but I know. it's good. It's okay. I'll buy your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'll, good because we're going. I'll buy you my birthday dinner. <laughs> no, you're, I'm buying you your birthday dinner. Uh, um, oh, yeah. It's my birthday in two it's days. It's your birthday. And by the time you guys hear this, it'll have been yesterday. So happy belated birthday. Whatever. Who cares? Shush. Oh, God. 32 is so anticlimactic. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Not, not exciting. Hit my maximum weight. <laughs> I did. I was like, stop it. I'm looking at you right now. It's like, stop. I just drink too much wine from Club W. She sent me a side profile text last night. It was amazing. It's like a lizard dragging its belly on the ground. She goes, I used to be able to sleep on my side, no problem, and now my stomach rests. I used to be like, you know, like side, like straight <laughs> up and down. And now I sleep on my side and my stomach actually rests like the side of, That's you know, of my stomach. Every, it's like I'm a square in the middle. A square space. What happened? <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got my own square space. <laughs> um, let me break it to you. We all have that. And then wait. So the follow up text was: even when I go over a bump in the road, now it jiggles. Yeah. She goes, I don't need the alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, body, for telling me that there's like a new part there. Everybody has that, and if you stick your stomach out after you've eaten. Everybody That's looks like that. That's not what I was doing. It just does that it anyway. Is. And yeah, when I go over bumps in my car, I'm like, what? Refusal to discuss. Okay. Refusal. All right. Refuse. This is not positive. This is not positive. For women or anyone. Everybody has a fluctuation in the tummy. Tummy zone. I'm I, wearing sparkle. You can't take your eyes off of it. It's disgusting. It's so bad. We're not friends. I hate sparkles. Uh, um, so what else? You were gone out of town, which always makes me sad. I know. I've been in and out of town a lot. I Way flew to Boston, much. spoke at Boston College. Those girls were super cool at something called the Own It Conference. Mm -hmm. And did my first keynote, which you'd Ooh. think I would have already been able to do yeah. or done. Have you done those before? No. I just do Q&As where people right. ask me questions so I don't have to prepare. It was supposed to be 15 minutes. Well, it was originally supposed to be 30. And then I was like, guys, I, can, I don't think I can do more than 15. It's a lot. That's and a lot. And I made it to 10. 
<laughs> I was still proud of myself. Yeah. That's um, like preparing a, a show. Yeah. It's a lot of work and I had notes, but I didn't read. Yeah. I was very proud of myself. I mean, it's so pathetic that I, it's this is not new pathetic. to me. I want to get good at it though. I can help you. So yeah. Okay. So one thing I yeah. know how to do is talk and just like stand up and say stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We can work on that. That'll be a side project. Okay. Um, I can show you how to fill airtime, like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you're so good at it. Yeah, just Thanks. talking hot air. Talking about nothing. Hot air in my Squarespace. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Um, so then took the train from Boston to New York and had a ton of meetings. Yeah. And drank a ton of wine and then came home and had a day at home and then went to Napa. Oh, Napa. Napa. I went to Napa Auto Parts. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> how, was, how was that? I went to Napa, California, and it was nice. It was just Joel and I, and we... Drank some more wine. Drank more wine, and... Do you think that has anything to do with your Squarespace? <laughs> uh, I think it has everything to do with my Squarespace. I can drink a half a bottle of wine, like, every night. See, wine gives me a headache, so I'm wondering... It gives I, me everything. Look at me. Well, I have I have a bread it's addiction. So bountiful. <laughs> <gasps> um, what else? Uh, you didn't like the bike ride. You did like the bike ride? I didn't like the bike ride. You know, it's, it's nice riding bikes. I didn't really need to be on a bike with all these other people around me. I yeah. could be on a bike by myself or just with my husband. It would have been fun if I could have so, ridden in a basket with you. Yeah, you would fit in the basket. It'd be cute, you right? And your glitter. Did you have any girl boss moments? Yes, I actually was telling Shara. Our lovely producer on the way in. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> I told you I had one of those real mind-blowing oh, conversations yeah. with an old friend of mine where you're like, what is life? What does it mean? So my girl boss moment is uh, less talking and more doing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Shut up, Liz. Just shut up. I'm just... Shut up. Shut, shut up. up. <laughs> what? I thought it was going to break into that oh, song. Yeah, no. Shut up. Shut up. So that's mine. Cool. Yeah. And so now you're like banging out all kinds of emails. All kinds of stuff. Slamming green juice. That's yours, actually. Ew. What? Thank you. Let me see that. You don't want it? Is it matcha. Cold? Matcha. Ceremonial grade stone ground matcha green tea. Mm-hmm. Has caffeine. I got to be careful. All right. Give it back then. Well, you don't want two it? two caffeines right, today. Give it back. I'll drink two. What's your moment? Ma'am. Oh, yeah. My oh, girl see, boss moment. My girl boss one. moment was that I'm fucking sap. And we went back to Benicia, which is uh, near Vallejo, which is, uh, Memories. you know, in the East Bay in California. And that was where I had my first office space for Nasty Gal. And Aww. I'd moved it out of my little hut in the backyard, the pool house with no kitchen. And I paid a thousand bucks for a thousand square feet yeah. and it was drafty and hot and, you know, just rattly and kind of scary. It was in this historic building out like oh, on pretty. the water. It's, it's a pretty, it's a really pretty old building, but there's no amenities or anything. You know, it's Who just amenities, just poop on the right. floor. It was just, it just, yeah. Poop on the floor. Lots of memories of pooping on the floor there. And yeah, I just, I hadn't been back there since probably when we moved in like 2007, 2008. Right. And yeah, it's just interesting smelling old smells. I was just literally going to say it's all about a smell of something. It's about the smells. I left my own smell there because we were like on the way back from Napa and I needed to use the restroom. I just told the fart story the other Literally. Who did I tell it to? What fart story? You're when interrupting you, me. I'm sorry, but you farted. What? Up in the club. When did... Oh, God. <laughs> oh. That's worth interrupting. We'll save that story. Go on. Finish your moment. My girl boss moment was, I guess, just taking a minute to visit a place that I spent a lot of time. And I guess it was kind of sad. I got like sad. Nostalgia is sad. You can never relive the same thing twice. And it was such an innocent time. And now I'm like, in many ways, I love, you know, I love my life. I love what I've created. I love Nasty Gal. I love that we've grown. I love having a podcast. I love my office space. I love my new friend in Los Angeles, Liz Carey. (laughs) It was a simpler time. It was like I'd work till midnight because there were orders coming in. I could watch yeah. every single one drop yeah. individual and be like, oh, that person shopped last week. And yeah. I remember their name. The <clears> level <throat> of access you have when your business is that small is really cool. It is cool. And I miss that. I think that's a hard thing to to do when you have a larger business and you have all these other things going on. I mean, fucking books and TV shows and that's podcasts horrible. and a weird glittery friend. And Farting up in the anyway, club. I got a little sad, but then I was like, wait, I have a great life. If I had been in this building for 10 years, I'm not sure I'd really be happy here either. No. But yeah, 
Yeah. That's a good moment. It was a good moment. I'm grateful for what I have, but it was, it was like my youth. Oh, yeah. Girl Boss Diary. We've had three, three issues. You were um, profiled in last week's. Thank you. Um, I think it was a big success, if I do say so myself. Did you get a couple followers? I got people were pounding on my door. I don't think we should have included my home address. I was thrilled. I was thrilled. I forwarded it to my mom. Cute. And a couple of porn sites. And then I called it a day and I was super (laughs) glad to be included. All right. Well, we're not the only people with girl boss moments. Mm -mm. Our listeners tune in every week. To tell us what their girl boss moments are, you can use the hashtag girl boss moment. It's pretty easy to spell. I'm not going to spell it for you on Twitter or Instagram because that's where we're looking at least. Maybe Facebook. We should probably start doing Facebook. You guys, please tweet in Instagram in your hashtag girl boss moments. We read them every week on girl boss radio. And I don't know. It's just a nice way to tell yourself and your friends publicly that you own your shit. Your actual feces. I see one. Mm. Do it. Okay. Leslie Camille at hot. Hot mommy. I finished a script today. Um, that's very hard to do. So congrats. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Liz is still trying. (laughs) Four years later. (laughs) Lynn Marty says at L1N Marty says, I took two weeks PTO and didn't check email once. Use this time for spiritual growth and growing my photography biz. Hashtag girlboss moment. That's amazing. I wish I could do that. I go on vacation for one day and it's like, if it's a it's weekday, like a breakdown. It's like my inbox is like, hey, 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 what's going on? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we need you. That's, that's like my son the other day. I'm, I'm literally doing three things at once and he's going like this. Um, I think somebody's ringing the doorbell and I can't get the, the computer to charge in here. Can I have $20? And I was like, She's what's like, going on? Do you not even see that I'm like, go play in a corner. Yeah, go play in the corner. Aww. Okay. Jenny DeWitt. I really like this one. Jenny DeWitt at rebranded. When you get an email from at NASA saying they've chosen you to be a social media correspondent for a chime in at Osir, Os, Osir, <laughs> Guess who X. isn't getting emails from at NASA? <laughs> I don't know. All we know is that we're proud of you at Jenny DeWitt at rebranded for getting an email from NASA. Hey. Hey, I'm just going to interrupt us right now and yeah. say, you guys, I want to know how we can do a better go- job on Girl Boss Radio. We've been doing this since last October. Liz is a part of this part of the show. She's not part of the whole show. Everyone loves you so much. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Liz. Thanks um, for having me. But like, what is it that's missing? What is it that you could, you want to be able to take away from either the interview portion or the mm-hmm. beginning portion? Yeah. Are we depressing? Do you hate the burps? Do you want more burps? Farts. Um, yeah. Any, Personal talk. What armpit you- farts. Do you want more boy talk, girl talk? Do you want to hear me more or less? This is Sophia in case you get our voices confused. I know. Um, I know. And there's somebody out there that hates our sound quality. We're going to, we're going to figure that out. We are still growing. So if you can tell other people about us, that really helps because it's expensive to put on a podcast and we want to make it worth everyone's time. Yeah. And we'll buy you a shot, an imaginary shot. Yeah. Shots, shots, shots. Juice or tequila, whatever you imagine. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Done with the interruption. Hit us with that. So Rachel Hills at Rachel Hills says, so I have an entertainment lawyer now. Hashtag oh. feeling grown up. Hashtag girl with someone. That's pretty cool. That's a very good one. This I kind of really love. And I was debating because my friend creates the show and I was going <laughs> to screenshot this to him. Uh, Mariana Keller at this is Mariana. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but and I like this. And then there were only men again. Where are the hashtag women in tech? Photo of the new Silicon Valley show ad. Wow. Kind of true. Uh-huh. And it's a great show, but it is really missing. Jinx. It is. It is. One's like an assistant and one's like yeah. a bitchy boss. Mike Judge. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Mike. At Low Lancaster. In the past week, I learned how to read a PL and balance sheet and stood up to a guy who was disrespecting me. Hashtag girl boss moment. Hashtag girl boss. I like both. I like both. <laughs> All I took away from that was learn how to read and stood up to a guy. I'm like, she sounds like that. My kind of girl. Um, okay, wait. There was one more that I liked. L's Rock at L's Rock. I'm trying to finish these two books and start my business by Friday. Girl, I feel you. I haven't read a book in three That'd years. That'd be crazy. Liz, thanks for being here. I'll see you for sponsor time. I love the sponsor time. 
a small business owner, we work our asses off, and what we do want are people that are going to work their asses off along with us. Monster has 20 years of experience finding the right people for the right jobs, and they build custom hiring solutions specific to your small business. Liz, tell our listeners what they can take advantage of today. Well, Sophia, funny that you ask. Because if you visit monster.com slash hiring to find employees who work as hard as you and save 25% or more for a limited time. Monster. Find better. Find better. All right, let's get to the interview. iGen Poo cares for the people who care for others. As the director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, iGen has worked tirelessly throughout her career on behalf of domestic workers in the U.S., nannies, housekeepers, and elder caregivers to make sure they have a voice and equal rights. In 2010, she helped pass the Domestic Workers Bill of Rights, historic legislation that extended basic labor protection to over 200,000 domestic workers in New York State. iGen was a 2014 recipient of the prestigious MacArthur Genius Award for her work, and in 2012, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people in the world. iGen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. It's um, exciting for me, too. Yeah. And so you're in L.A. right now. You're lecturing at UCLA, is it? That's right. What is the topic? It's women, race, and the future of work. Wow. I, can we just talk about that? <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. Um, what? I mean, this is a theme that runs across all of the work that you've done. It's true. Which is really interesting. What was your first job? I mean, before you became a hero for people who don't have voices or don't know that they have voices, were you always interested in the rights of other people? Did you have like any kind of normal jobs or were you a genius from day one? How does this work? <laughs> So let's see. So I was raised by a whole long line of really strong women. My mom and my grandmother both really shaped who I am. And so early on, like in high school, I used to join women's organizations and get involved in any way that I could. And personally, my first job was actually working in a restaurant. And working in the restaurant industry, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have this experience of having worked mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry because it's so enormous and so many of us kind of go through it. But it's such a space where you become so aware of your gender and your race and where the kind of dynamics in the workplace are so heightened. You've got like some people in the back of the house who are completely invisible and make a lot less money than everybody else. And then you have some set of people who are much more public, the servers on the floor, and they count on tips, which are really unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these different dynamics that really mirror the American workplace as a whole. And so early on, I kind of got really attuned to what it's like to be kind of working in an environment where you're pretty exposed, you're pretty vulnerable, your kind of income is really unpredictable and inconsistent. And then you're constantly made aware that you're a woman and that you're Asian. And, you know, so all of these dynamics were really front and center for me. And I think really shaped how I think about the world. Is there an example of that, that you remember that was particularly like alarming or made you realize like, wow, if I'm experiencing this, then everybody must be experiencing it. Gosh, there's so many, but, um, a couple of, uh, examples are I was working as a server during the graveyard shift in a diner. And, you know, people would come in all hours of the night. And I remember one customer said to me, and it was kind of like, in the middle of the night, not many people on the floor. And he said to me, you know, I had a dream about a geisha last night and she looked just like you. Um, you know, comments oh, like you. that. And then the very same shift, the, I was, uh, I asked the manager whether I could get on the list to try to kind of move up the ranks to become a bartender because bartenders made a lot more money in the hierarchy. And, um, I like talking to people and, he said, no, we already have an Asian woman bartender, oh so we God. won't be, wow. there won't be room for you, you know, like that kind of is thing. Is that in New York City? Uh-huh. Wow. And so did you go to school to study 
anything related to what you're doing today? Did you know from an early age that was what you wanted to do? Did you ever doubt it? You know, I kind of just followed where my heart took me, really. And I was, like I said, really interested in uh, women's organizations. And so I decided to take a few women's studies classes. And it was the place where I could learn histories that had been kind of invisible Mm -hmm. in mainstream curriculum. And so I learned about the women's movement. I learned about ethnic studies and the history of social movements that ethnic studies are a part of. I learned about how social change has happened generation after generation in this country. And that kind of, it inspired me. It made me want to continue the tradition and get involved in the community off campus too. Domestic workers is such a specific thing. And it's so interesting, you know, because I've never heard of anyone else really talking about it, which is really unfortunate. It's incredibly important, I think, what you're doing. Where did the idea come from? Or Because working in a diner isn't quite domestic work, even though there's themes probably in the restaurant world that, that are parallel. Well, living in New York, I would say that domestic work has to be the most visible, invisible workforce in that you could walk down any street on the Upper West Side or Upper East Side and see nannies pushing children in strollers. I mean, it's everybody knows that this workforce exists, but we don't really think about the role that it plays. And for me, it actually started when I was volunteering in a domestic violence shelter in New York. And for the immigrant women who were there in the shelter, it was really difficult for them to get on their own two feet and start fresh after leaving an abusive relationship because they weren't earning a living wage. They were really struggling in jobs like nanny jobs or housekeeping jobs. Where How much it was money like, were they being paid for these jobs? You know, the average annual median income for a caregiver who takes care of an elderly person, for example, is $15,000 per year. Full-time? Mm-hmm. Is that legal? <laughs> it's a really good question. It is. Yes, it is legal because people really struggle to assemble the number of hours that they need. And for up until October of last year, it was actually home care workers in particular were excluded from minimum wage and overtime protections. What? Yes. This is the thing that people don't realize is that there's this really long history of us explicitly excluding domestic workers from some of the most basic protections that we all take for granted. So is it just like a hangover from like slavery or something? It is a hangover, the worst hangover possible. (laughs) Wow. That's unbelievable. Isn't it amazing? In the 1930s, Southern members of Congress refused to sign on to the labor laws that were being proposed in the New Deal if they included protections for domestic workers and farm workers who were black workers. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a concession to those members of Congress, the most important labor laws that are kind of like the core of our protections that we all take for granted explicitly excluded domestic workers. Until or do they still... You know, to this day, there are still exclusions in place. And what our movement has been doing is state by state and kind of regulation by regulation start chipping away at those exclusions. You founded the Domestic Workers Alliance in 2007? Yeah. So I've never done anything on my own, to be clear. Okay. Um, the way that Domestic Workers Alliance was founded was 50 women from around the country, nannies, housekeepers, caregivers, and organizers like me got together in one room. And we realized that there's this growing workforce of women who are working in other people's homes caring for the most precious elements of their lives, their children, their aging loved ones, their homes, and yet they're among the most undervalued workforce in our economy today, incredibly vulnerable. And that as time has gone on, this workforce has become more and more important, right? As more women are in the workforce and juggling family care with work, and as people live longer and need more care as they live longer, right? This work is becoming more and more important. And yet this organization or this workforce was 
kind of invisible and didn't have a national voice, didn't have a presence in our popular imagination. And so we decided to come together and form this national organization that would give voice to this workforce and really raise up how valuable and important this work is. Do you have any idea how many lives you've changed or how many workers have been affected by the work that you've done? Wow, that's a great question. Well, I know that when we helped to bring in some regulatory changes that just went into effect, the ones that I just mentioned, it brought 1.8 million caregivers under protections that were currently, wow. were previously ex- excluded. You don't seem like the kind of person that counts these things, which is probably why you're doing this work. <laughs> but wouldn't it be so interesting to know like how much money was generated for these people at some point? Yes. No. You'll use it to market these. yourself. Someday. That's right. Someday. It's important someday. stuff. <laughs> and I'll think back on this interview yeah, and remember. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yes. How do you go about starting a national alliance? Is there like a f- kit? that the government (laughs) sends you. How does this work? No, you know, it's really, it's not that different from when you start a study group or like a book club or a neighborhood association. You basically reach out to other people that you know who are doing this work and talk about what it could look like to work together. So even for domestic workers, if you think about the work, it's like you could go into any neighborhood or in any community and not know which houses were somebody's workplace, right? Mm-hmm. And or which apartment buildings had somebody working there because there's no list, it's not registered anywhere. And domestic workers have formed networks and organizations just by connecting with each other at the bus stop, at the play group, right? Just mm-hmm. kind of coming together to support one another. And when we formed the National Domestic Workers Alliance, it was really similar where we were locally doing work to try to bring women together, to improve working conditions, to help women feel more empowered on the job. And we started connecting with each other across the country. So I talked to people in LA who are doing something similar and we started supporting each other. And then we decided to meet in Atlanta and actually talk about this national organization. Oh my God, I was talking earlier about how exciting it was to watch orders come through one by one when I watched yeah. Nasty Gal in the early days, and I still miss that. If you're still doing that, or if, if you can't keep up with the orders, ShipStation.com is for you. You I probably dread the part of shipping them out, though, which is why ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. They automatically import your orders into one easy-to-use interface and help choose the right carrier to get the lowest rate for every package. You can easily create shipping labels from all the top carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, right from your computer. You can even track your orders on the go from your smartphone or tablet. I would have loved that when I had my company. I really recommend ShipStation for anybody <clears throat> who's making and selling shit on yeah. the internet. Otherwise, you got to hire somebody to go run around and do that for you. That's like you have to like go to the post office and like stamps. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's now you've just now you've no saved yourself one paycheck. Way. And right now, Liz, tell us <clears throat> what our listeners can get from ShipStation.com. Right now, try ShipStation free for thirty days and get an additional month free, only if you use offer code. Girl boss. Don't wait. Go to shipstation.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in girl, girl boss. That's shipstation.com. Enter girl, girl boss. <laughs> what is the whole ecosystem of what you do? Great question. So we do a lot of work to change hearts and minds and raise awareness. So we're working with um, lots of partners in the entertainment industry to try to really elevate the value of care and um, make sure that there are more stories about caregivers in film and television. We actually took a page from the LGBT movement playbook where they did a bunch of really amazing campaigns at the state and local level, but then they also had the help of TV shows like Will and Grace and Glee that really created the kind of popular culture momentum around LGBT rights that allowed for people to embrace marriage equality 
and LGBT equality in a new way. And so we're also working with artists and creatives to figure out how we tell the story about caregivers and Mm -hmm. immigrant women, the women in our economy who are the least visible, so that we can start to really recognize their contributions in a new way. We also work on policy advocacy to try to change laws like immigration policy to make sure that there are more pathways to legal status for the undocumented so that people can really come out of the shadows Mm -hmm. into the full light of our economy. And then we do all kinds of things like trainings, nanny training, caregiver training, training for people who are supporting uh, taking care of people with disabilities or people with Alzheimer's, really helping the workforce bring the very best of who they are and of their skills to providing high quality care for the families that they support while ensuring that these jobs actually become jobs that are more professionalized and valued in our economy. So we do all kinds of different activities that are all about elevating the workforce and creating a kind of movement and momentum that will let us transform care. How do you walk up to someone that you think is a housekeeper and ask them if they're a housekeeper and what if they're not? Like how does, is there a way, like, did you actually go around and say, like, excuse me, do you work in someone's house? Yeah. So usually we have like a newsletter, some information about a training or a resource or something. And we'll just walk up to women and say, have you ever heard of this organization? Cool. It has all these resources and are you might them, be interested. Are any of them ever like, no thanks? Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Because they think they're going to lose their job. Yeah, or... there's all kinds of reasons. Uh, they think that their employer will get upset or they have immigration issues or all kinds of fears that they might have. And and so you have to have a thick skin for sure. How does this issue affect women who aren't legal citizens? Is that a larger immigration conversation? It's really Which I'm not related. qualified to have. <laughs> <laughs> It's really related. A lot of the workforce is women, and many of the women are undocumented. And it's one of those great ironies where it's like right inside of our homes, we can see the ways in which immigrants are so deeply connected and already a part of our families and of our country. And yet the debate is so polarizing. It's like so much about these other people, but they're really already Mm -hmm. a part of our families. Mm I mean, I talk to so many people who, like my friend, actually, his mom has Alzheimer's and counts on an undocumented caregiver to take care of her. And he worries that, you know, one day she'll get picked up and deported on her way to work one day. And Mm -hmm. that'll be horrible for her family, but also for his Mm because we're so interdependent and interconnected. What do you say to the people who think they can take advantage of someone who's undocumented by paying them less than what's fair? I mean, there's got to be a lot of people who are like, I'm doing them a favor, you know? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about the way our laws work is that even though it's technically illegal to work if you don't have your work authorization, once you're in a job, you're protected by the same rights as everybody else. So you can assert your rights to fair pay and a few other rights. And so we always encourage people to know their rights And, you know, you're always vulnerable. The reality is, is that if you don't have your status here, you're always vulnerable. So we always encourage people to connect to organizations like ours, because in some ways, your best protection is to be connected to people who know the law and have resources, have the ability to support you in the event that anything should happen. And if I employ someone in my house, what should I know? And where should I go to find out how to be a a great employer? We're also a resource for employers. They reach out to us all the time. There's also an organization called Hand in Hand, which actually is an organization of employers who want to do the right thing and want to support other employers to do the right thing. And we created something together called the Fair Care Pledge, which any employer can go online and look it up. It's the faircarepledge.org. And it's a whole bunch of resources for fair pay, paid time off, having a clear work agreement, kind of giving you a sense of what it means to do the right thing if you're employing someone in your home Mm -hmm. and a lot of tools and resources to support you to do that. We've also teamed up with a company called care.com to promote the Fair Care Pledge and It's so interesting because we do see that a lot of people want to do the right thing and just don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. When we launched the Fair Care Pledge last year, we thought maybe 25,000 people would take the pledge in the first year. 
We're now seven months in and over 115,000 families have taken wow. the pledge and it's been amazing to 115,001 as of today. Do a lot of the people who are the families who go take the pledge, are they given a toolkit to help educate their domestic employee? Yes, absolutely. There's information for employees and employers on the pledge and also on our website, domesticworkers.org. Cool. Oh, and on the immigration front, we actually just created a, a web resource for uh, women to figure out if they're eligible for any of the paths to legal status that are available. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's called womenstepforward.org, and you can go on there and just check out if you might be eligible for some of the opportunities for legal status that exist. And you keep mentioning women, but domestic workers are men and women. Given that your work is largely around women, why would you say domestic workers' issues are a woman's issue? More than 90% of the workforce is women, So, and it has historically been women either as family members or as professionals who've done this work of caregiving. But I definitely think that this is something that anyone and everyone who cares about families cares about how we're going to support our children to grow up and achieve their full potential and how we're going to support our aging loved ones to live well, even as they become more frail. Like this is a matter that we should all care about. And I do think that more millennial men, for example, are really engaged in raising their own kids, right? More and more men are engaged in figuring out care for their aging parents and grandparents. So I definitely think that we're all affected by this issue. And if we're able to create the kind of care systems that allow for there to be a strong workforce and support for families, that's really the North Star. Mm -hmm. And that that is going to take all of us. Yeah. And so in 2003, so this is before you started the National Domestic Workers Alliance, mm -hmm. right? You passed something called the Nanny Bill. Mm -hmm. What is the Nanny Bill? In New York City, um, the Nanny Bill was the first bill in any city in the country that really promoted the rights of domestic workers and caregivers. And it was a bill that would essentially compel agencies that place domestic workers to notify workers that they have rights and notify employers that they have legal obligations as employers and really try to educate people about the fact that this is real work and a real workforce. And it was the first time I or any of the women that I worked with really did this kind of advocacy on a policy. And so it was like we were all learning as we went. And it took us about a year and a half to pass this bill. But it gave me so much hope that it's actually possible for mm -hmm. people, everyday people who care and who want to make a difference to actually change our laws and change our policies. What kind of things did you do to pass the bill? You know, one of the things that I've really learned from this campaign is that is the power of story. And basically what you saw was nannies going and meeting with city council members and sharing their stories. Um, and then we had employers even who came in and testified about how if it weren't for their nanny, they wouldn't be able to go to work every day at their law firm or at the bank that they work for or any number of industries. And you started to see this story about how domestic work really does make everything else possible in New York City. Mm -hmm. And once we started to be able to talk about it as the work that makes all of their work possible, there was a kind of inevitability that we needed to recognize it and protect it in a new way. Do you feel like that was kind of like the snowflake that became the snowball of what you're doing today? I do. I don't think I ever imagined when I was in school that, you know, I would be walking through the halls of, you know, City Hall and kind of watching a bill get voted on that we all kind of created from scratch, you mm -hmm. know. And I'll tell you a story of the day that the vote happened is a moment that I'll never forget. We had been kind of working on this bill for a year and we did marches and we did um, hearings and we did press conferences and story campaigns and all kinds of stuff. And then we finally got to the vote. And usually when bills get voted on, the speaker will call the name of the member and they'll vote yay or nay. And you just need a majority. And so what happened that day was that we packed the balcony of City Hall for the vote, and you kind of look down as the members get called, and they stand up and they give their vote. 
And what happened was over a dozen members that day, not only when their names were called, they would get up and the first one actually stood up and said, not only do I vote for this bill, but I want to tell you a story about my aunt who is a domestic worker and worked her whole life, raised a whole family, generations of us, made it possible for me to become a city council member, and her work was never valued and it was never recognized. And she's smiling down on us from heaven right now mm -hmm. as we pass this historic legislation. And it was like one after the next, council members kind of got up and made visible this really long and beautiful history of all the women in their families who had done this work who had never been recognized. And we started to realize, oh God, something really profound is happening here. Yeah. This story about who we are as a country has been is starting to get uncovered. Mm -hmm. It's a really special thing when there's someone who gets paid to be in your life and in your home, and it can become so much more than that if they if they love what they're doing and yes. you give them a great place to do it. And I, I have a housekeeper who's worked for me for like two years now, full time. We just left town and she took our three dogs and took them to her house and gave them a bath and they played with her dogs. And I texted her, or I'm not sure if you believe in guardian angels, but I'm pretty sure you are one. And she like texted me back and I'm, That's not, beautiful. I'm not very like, I'm not usually that touchy feely, but it's really <laughs> special when somebody, they don't have to, they can show up and just do the job. But when someone's in your home and around, yeah, all the things that are the most precious to you That's and right. is trusted with that, it's, it's incredible gift if you're, really if you is. have the privilege of experiencing that in your life. But That's it can right. also be a great, it's a wonderful job in the right environment. It mm. is. And so I, I agree completely. And one of the things that we really want to see is for the people who really love this work of caring for other people and of taking care of dogs and homes mm -hmm. and really, you know, who really do believe in that work as real work that is like a real contribution that we're able to keep them in these jobs as opposed to, you know, going and working in some other mm -hmm. low wage job. If we don't make these jobs really good jobs, we end up losing our best caregivers to other fields. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so you got something called the MacArthur Genius Grant. <laughs> I read that they called you and you don't know how they got your cell phone number. So some people called you out of the blue and said you got a genius grant. Yes. How much money? Is $625,000 over five years. That you've done incredible things with. Yes. So it is such a gift. I mean, it is unbelievable. And the feeling of getting this call being like, here's $125,000 a year for go five years. Go keep helping people. Yes. Go do you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a real, it's an incredible privilege and gift. And what we've done with it is created a fellowship for caregivers and domestic workers at the National Alliance. One of the things that's so difficult is that caregivers are working around the clock constantly and doing caregiving work. And so for them to really develop their skills and, and their ability to shape policy and shape jobs and shape this whole conversation about the future of work is really difficult while they're working full-time as caregivers. So this fellowship actually allows them to take a break from caregiving work and work for our movement full-time, wow. telling their stories, meeting Congress members, doing everything that people like me do, talk to the media, and really get the word out about our movement, our work, and the policy change that's needed. And right now we've got two caregivers on a fellowship that was supported by my MacArthur grant. How do you choose them? They were nominated oh, wow. and applied, and there was a committee of their peers that did the selection. That's so, so cool. And what is a, a MacArthur Genius Grant exactly? It's basically a five-year fellowship where they they support you at $125,000 a year for five years to do anything you want. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. So I was talking about the square space that is my midsection, <laughs> but this is a different kind of square space. Not the mid-roll. Square space is actually what powers girlboss.com and a lot of other websites. They make it incredibly easy for you to design a professional looking site, regardless of your skill level with no coding required. Mm. Their tools are super intuitive and easy to use. And you get a free domain if you sign up 
for a year. That's a big, that's a really good deal. You can start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code GIRLBOSS to get 10% off your first purchase. Do you have a mentor? My grandmother is the real genius. <laughs> she, yeah? yes, she is the real What's genius. What's her name? Han Cool. Yeah. And she actually lives not far from here. She lives in Alhambra in oh, wow. San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. Cool. She just turned 90 and she's still active. She goes to church twice a week, sings in the church senior choir. She plays mahjong with her friends. So she's definitely a mentor. And the biggest thing that she always taught me was that even in the darkest times, that positive change is always possible. And all it requires is just being really present and uh, learning from the past and focusing on the future. So not staying stuck in any way, just knowing that things always change and move forward. And there's always an opportunity to make that change positive. Do you feel like you've mentored other women or do you feel like you're kind of mentoring through all of the work that you do, all the people that you, that whose lives you affect? Gosh, you know, mentoring is so important to me. It's the thing that I wish I had more time for. I know, I know. I think I'm I'm doing it through a podcast, but <laughs> maybe I should. It's do nice that. when it's intimate. Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> um, no, that's such a brilliant. I I mean, I do think that this is a exactly that, and yeah. one of the most important things that sustained me through this work that I do is having my mentors really close and really um, never forgetting that I have mentors and reaching out to them whenever possible. And I wish I could mentor more people. I think that'll be my goal after this show cool. is to like make more space for that. Cool. That and count up how much money you've made. And that too. That too. I've got a lot of homework from this <laughs> I know, podcast. I know. <laughs> what does a normal day look like for you? You wake up, is, are you super busy? You're in Chicago, right? I live in Chicago, but I'm mostly based on United Airlines flying okay. <laughs> around the country, unfortunately. And a normal day, there isn't a normal day, actually. Like my days are end up being really different depending on where I am in the country. But I would like for my days to always start with yoga and a really good strong cup of coffee. Like the one you're drinking now? Like the one I'm drinking right now. <laughs> And then usually it's meetings, conference calls, sometimes media, sometimes speeches, but a lot of meetings. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Actually, by nature, I'm more of an introvert. Yeah, so am I. And I just. Are you really? Yeah, totally. So how did we end up doing what we're doing? How are we in the same room? I have no idea. I started a company from behind a computer and then I wrote a book in a room (laughs) and then I like came out and I'm like trying to keep up with it all. It's a lot. Yeah. When you give speeches, because I've done a lot of Q&As, which is kind of the lazy version because you're like, oh, I don't have to prepare. Just ask me some questions. But you also just get questions from, you know, left and right where you're like, oh, God, I wish I could control this conversation. So I'm learning how to give a keynote of some variety. Obviously, you must do things like that. How long can you talk for? And how did you get to the point where you could talk for like 30 minutes? It's really hard. Yeah. But I actually, it's gotten easier over the years. And I had a lot of help of people who are really good speech writers, people who've helped people prepare TED Talks and things Mm -hmm. like that, who kind of helped me think through how to tell my story in a way that connects with different audiences. And did it take practice? It takes so much practice. And I still get nervous, like yeah. crazy nervous. Me too. You were coming in here and I was like, oh my God, I've never better met her before. She's she's a genius grant. Like <laughs> I don't know that much about politics. I'm just some kid who started a fashion business. That's so funny. Because fun inside book. I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> what am I gonna say? Where are my notes? <laughs> That's so. great. Okay, cool. Then every us and everyone listening is terrified of everything. That's good to know. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) One trick I have, though, is one that kind of takes up time, but also like puts everybody in the room at ease in case everybody's nervous is I always start my talks by asking people to kind of turn to the person sitting next to them and share a story about somebody 
in their life who's cared for them and the value of that relationship. And we take a couple of minutes, go each way and like people in the room get to connect Mm -hmm. and it kind of breaks the ice. And then you get a feel for what the energy in the room is like. And it takes up five minutes. minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Then I was going to say that. Yes. (laughs) Make them talk. Yes. So on every episode, I ask uh, the same question to every one of my guests, and it's, what is your girl boss moment? And a girl boss moment is that time in your week where you felt like you owned your life, where you're in control of your life. Sometimes getting on a plane doesn't feel that way. Sometimes, you know, not having the time that you need yourself or living out of a hotel. And there's ways that we can do it wherever we are with whatever we have at our disposal. Our listeners tweet in their girl boss moments of the week on Instagram and Twitter. So if you're listening, please do it with all kinds of things like, you know, I gave myself a bubble bath seven days this week, or, you know, I exercised five days this week, or I started a business or I sold my business. So I, Jen, what was your girl boss moment this week? Well, I'll always remember that a friend of mine who used to work at a foundation told me the difference between when men would come in and ask for money and when women would come in to ask for money for projects that they really believed in. Like all the projects were great projects and really wonderful kind of efforts to change the world. But when men would come in and ask for for money, for support from the foundation, they would have like a two-page poorly written concept paper and they'd come in, they ask for $2 million. And then women would have like a 50-page really well thought out, like totally well designed and articulated concept note and then asked for $200,000. And both projects would be equally as ambitious and important. Mm-hmm. And and she was just reflecting on that. She shared that with me to say, like, women, we often undervalue ourselves and our contributions, and we try to do too much with too little. We don't often assert, right, what we deserve, right? Mm-hmm. And especially when it's something like as important as a vision for social change or a project that could change the world, like we have to, mm-hmm. right, assert what it's worth. So my girl boss moment was like doubling the amount of money I asked for from a foundation this amazing. week to support our efforts. That's amazing. You don't get what you don't ask for. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say for women, like ask for double what you think you should ask for. Just try it. Cool. Yeah. In everything financially and otherwise. And otherwise. That's yeah. right. And other double the commitment. That's double right. The- everything. I, Jen, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Thank you. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. All right. That was Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with Janae Lombardo, the founder of The Terminal Presents and co-founder of MADE. Our producer is Shara Morris. Thanks also to Kristen Meisner, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. If you haven't read Girl Boss, do it now. You can buy it at nastygal.com, Amazon, or anywhere books are sold. And please pre-order Nasty Galaxy, my next book, and sign up for Girl Boss Diary, our weekly newsletter, and you can do that at girlboss.com. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at girlboss. Our email address is info at girlboss.com. And you can find me at Sophia Amoruso on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. That's S-O-P-H-I-A-A-M-O-R-U-S-O. And if you like the show, please, please, please tell a friend. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, the Spotify app, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. Thank you also to the band Phases for our theme song and my husband, Joel Jarktograph, for our interstitial ditty. I'm Sophia Amoruso. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.